All right, time to welcome in David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, David. James Patrick Kinahan, how are you? Uh, a little lower key, but okay. little what? Lower key than you. Oh, lower <laughs> key. Okay. I thought you wanted yeah. me to start talking with a deeper voice. Are you like you like three Red Bulls into the day already, or what? What? Yeah. What are you doing here? I, I, I just enjoy my time with the two of you. I cherish it. I appreciate who you guys are. It, it's a pleasure in my day on Friday mornings to wake up and and spend this time with you. So, all right. Um, yeah. I'm curious before we get to the basketball and the hardcore stuff. Uh, you know, we're seeing teams let uh, some teams let people into the building. The Jazz are, you know, one of the first. BYU just let some folks into the the building. This is the first week they're doing that, and we're seeing it a little bit in other sports too. And I'm curious when you're in a building that normally seats eighteen three oh six, and you got thirty nine hundred people in there. Do you feel energy and emotion during games? What what is that like? And what do you think it's like for the players? I I don't know. Um... I have no idea from a player standpoint, so um, and I haven't actually heard a lot of them comment on it. They say it's nice, but I haven't heard them comment on it. Um, I know, like Miami's up to five thousand tonight, so this will probably be the most people we've played that are against us all year. Um, I, as an announcer, you know they're piping so much false crowd noise into my ears. Mm. Thank goodness um, on the other games that I'm not sure I've really told it. Tell a difference. I have a tendency to interact with like the groups right around me on like big plays, you know, just with facial reactions or jumping up and down and doing stupid stuff with my call. Um, and so that's really on home games I get to do that. Whereas on a road game, there's no one around. So road games are really, 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 really difficult to call. So um, a home games just a lot better. It just feels a little bit, you know, a little bit more normal. And there's more fans there. I'm sure the players feel the same way. Well, I know I told you the other day, and I wanted to say it publicly. I think under these trying circumstances, you're doing a great job. I'm in the car a fair amount with a kid driving back and forth to practices and whatnot, and so I haven't noticed a difference. I know we talked about it, and you have, and I understand your commitment to what you're trying to do. So I certainly respect that, but I think you're doing a great job, and Thank you. I appreciate the effort that you're putting in. As far as the team goes, I'm I'm trying to come up with some stuff. You know, to to look at and analyze, but it's almost like to the point that this is just too good to be true. And what more can you say about it? Yeah, I think that's right, PK. Um, thank you for the nice comment. Uh, there, there's a basketball reference as a stat, which kind of just grades every team on their performance versus their strength of schedule. You know, we can decide what we think of that stat, right? But it, they, they have it for every team that's ever played, based, and it's based on, you know, that season and everything. The Jazz are like the fifth-best team in the history of the NBA right now. <laughs> and I think that, like, concept, okay, so let's say that stat's a little off. Or, you know, it's not like the other four teams all make sense. I always say this about stats. Look at the top ten people. If, top, if, it, if eight of the ten makes sense, then the other two you just need to reevaluate. It's not that the stat's bad. It's that you don't quite understand the value of the other two. Um, and so I think that that is what's going on. We're having an all-time 
historic run um, between the margin of victory, the quality of opponents, the way we're playing. We're doing things no team's ever done. I think you got to sit back and ride it. Like, I think the silliest question is, like, is it sustainable? Like, well, on one level, it's been going on long enough that that's sustainable, that we've sustained it. On the other level, like, no, you're probably not winning 95% of your games for the next, you know, 50 games. But is this team actually an 80% win rate team? Like, maybe. They're pretty good. They've been remarkably healthy in a season where most people aren't. Um, they have incredible continuity in a season in which player, which in which teams don't have continuity and don't have practice time. They've got a you know mad genius as a head coach who's figured out how to change the game a little bit. And so, I think that you do have the, the, this kind of incredible makeup that, as of right now, is historic, and that's how it should be thought of. Is this is one of the most remarkable things as a sports fan you could ever root for? If any, you know, if the Miami Heat were doing this, we'd be talking about that with a big-name person. Um, you know, it would be talked about as one of the great teams of all time, and that's what they've been. We just don't have the, the market value or the – or maybe it's not market value. Maybe it's, we actually don't have the track record of having done it before. So if Miami was doing this, having been to the finals last year, it would feel very differently than if a team has been knocked out in the first round of the playoffs for two years in a row did it. Yeah, I think that's the key right there. Yeah, I think that is a big deal, obviously. So Miami has uh, has been hard to figure. They they win four, they lose three, they win four. They obviously were missing Butler for a while. They were missing Dragic, although Dragic has now been back for a game. But now Tyler Hero is out. So how big a threat are the Heat, in your view? So um, I'm, I'm going to just steal stuff here. Um, I was actually just listening to Locked on Heat this morning. Um, I built a podcast network so that I could actually have prep for every NBA game. I decided that this was actually the value. Um, and David Ramil was talking that the, the win over Toronto was the first time all year that they've, they've had some other good wins, but he said that those were all kind of based on, like, Bam would have a monster night or they had a bounce-back win. But this was the first time they kind of looked like the Heat. Goran Dragic was back. He's, you know, kind of their secondary engine. Jimmy Butler's their everything. And so the team is, to some extent, rounding back into form of what they were in the bubble last year. Now, there's some elements last year, I think, to that, where the same way the Jazz have had all those things come together at the right place and the right time and the right makeup, the same thing happened with the Heat in the bubble. Uh, but they're, they're really, really good, and I think they're playing at their peak. What's interesting in the matchup tonight is that Bam Adebayo has just struggled miserably in his career when guarded by Rudy. And he doesn't, he's great, but he doesn't have the athleticism or length to be able to get to the rim. So he becomes kind of an outside mid-range shooter. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he was going into the last matchup, he was 6 of 20 in his career when guarded by Rudy. And I think he went about 3 of 11 that night. So he's somewhere around 9 of 30 in his career when guarded by Rudy. And that, that takes away a good deal of their game. Um, and so that, that's where we really we alter who they are, and they have to find other ways. But with Drogic and with Butler, they, they probably have some ways to do that. 
So you've had an opportunity now to call games and see up t- up close anyway, uh, from a distance, I guess, maybe not up close, but the Clippers and the Lakers. And I realize the Lakers had key pieces missing, but we saw what the Lakers can do last year with that particular key piece in Anthony Davis. And now that we've had almost a half season of the Jazz, the new version of the Jazz, uh, what concerns you as far as matchups against both of those teams? So I think we have two things that are our weaknesses for us. The the first one is multiple wing scorers because we don't really have multiple wing defenders. So, you know, tonight Drogic is not that powerful, nor is Jimmy Butler, frankly, as a scorer. So we can go put Royce on Butler and we put Rudy on Bam and we match up okay. But against the Clippers, when it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and maybe even Lou Williams on the floor, like, how are we guarding them? And they went after Boyan at a, at a pretty high level in a way we haven't seen a lot of, where they just went and said, okay, we have – actually, they did it the night before when they had uh, Reggie Jackson, Patrick Beverly, and Lou Williams on the floor. Whoever they could get Paul – whoever they could get uh, Boyan switched onto is who they went after. So when they have – it's the same thing we do to everyone, that we have – multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers, and if you have a bad defender out there, we go put them in the pick-and-roll. And so that's that's the con- first concern, and, and both those teams kind of have that. The Lakers, it's Schroeder, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, and it's not as obvious as it is with Kawhi, Lou Williams, and Paul George. That's a pretty potent group. Um, the second one that concerns me is the model is out, I think, on how to try to guard us. No one, you, know, you have to have the personnel to be able to do it. But you're going to undo our shooters. You're going to make us play pick and roll in the middle of the floor, or we're going to move it over to the side, just a two-man game. You're going to not let us get the 45-53s, and you're going to make us play inside of that. When the Lakers and Clippers are able to do that with every guy on the floor being 6-5 or longer, it makes it really hard to start moving the ball and passing. So those are the two areas of, of considerable concern that I think will be the real test in, in those matchups. So I agree with a lot of what you said, but it does crack me up. You should agree. You should agree with everything I said. <laughs> but it does crack me up when people say, "Well, the Jazz don't have the wing, the wing, the wings to match up with Kawhi and Paul George." Like, well, nobody does. That's the right. whole point. And you have been preaching our long time. It's great to be good defensively, but you know we are kind of moving towards a. It's an outscore you kind of league. You know, and we have seen games where the Jazz have given up 120, but scored 130, so they win the game. So, as much as I agree that is a weakness, is it automatically? I, I guess when I when I hear people talk about the Jazz nationally, maybe they just don't watch close enough. Is it automatically that bad? I mean, is it really that horrific that they can't do that? Since really nobody can do it, and people are trying to outscore each other anyway. How do the how do the Clippers and Lakers match up with the Jazz at the other end of the floor? Well, let's, I mean, I think we just talked about the Clippers and Lakers match up with the Jazz on the other end of the floor because they have that amazing length. And so it can really limit some of our mm-hmm. ball movement. And what we have to avoid doing is getting caught in these half-court power games, yes. which is, you know, the playoff half-court game of like, okay, well, we're going to slow it down because we have LeBron and Anthony Davis, so we're going to make sure every possession goes to LeBron and Anthony Davis by slowing this down. And, you know, everyone talks, well, the playoffs slow down. Well, the playoffs slow down because you want to know who's going to shoot, when they're going to shoot, where they're going to shoot it from, and how they're going to get it. So it's who, what, when, where, how. So, you know, welcome back, Kata, for those people that are over 50. Um, the, 
Jazz are trying to go try to play in the playoffs in a manner that isn't that. It's just us up the floor and our shots, and we get it up the floor quickly enough, and whoever gets the first look takes it. What we've really transformed is our shot clock usage. That's the big change on what this team is. And we've got, in the playoffs, you have to keep that. And so if you can do that, then you negate the, the thing I'm talking about, which is their length in the half court and slowing and, and making it so that we get really bogged down in the half court because we can't move the ball the same way. In regards to what your comment was about the wing defender, I mean, we have the best wing defender in the NBA. His name's Rudy because he eliminates half the shots that those wings want to take. Now, what's such a pain about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is that their mid-range games are, are good and maybe even good enough to beat you. They're one of, like, five players in the league who might be able to beat you in a mid-range game. And, you know, Chris Paul being one of them as well, uh, and probably Devin Booker. So Phoenix gets to be a tough matchup, too. But the fact is that Rudy, you know, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George average about five shots a night at the rim, when we play them, they get two or three. That's a big difference when you suddenly move one of those shots from a you know 75% shot into a 40% shot. And that's how their nights suddenly go from, you know, 8 of 18 with three threes, and then we hug the three-point shooters really well, to suddenly, you know, they're now 7 of 18 instead of, you know, 7 of 18 with one three and two less shots at the rim, and now they're a little less efficient. And when you're playing at three and four and five-point games, those are the three and four and five-point games that would allow the Jazz to beat the Clippers and Lakers. I mean, LeBron wanted no part of Rudy last the other night. He just doesn't, like, as powerful as he is, like, the numbers are there. Last year, he was 2 of 7 when guarded by Rudy. So, like, he, he didn't go into the paint to get Rudy switched on him to go get that matchup. And the one time he did, he shook him pretty good, but he missed the shot. Remember it. Jess has some roster flexibility going forward. What do you think they're going to do? I don't know. It's really complicated, right? When you're rolling like this, are you bringing somebody new into the mix? I do think we're really weak at the and staying at the four. Um, you know, if either Boyan or George Niang go down, I think for there, there's a there's a gap in the roster there. Now maybe Jawan Morgan's ready for that, but that feels like a lot to ask in the playoff series. So if there's a there's a veteran out there that gets released by a team that you feel has the makeup to be tough enough and strong enough in the playoffs that they could knock down a big shot. Maybe it's Bielitsa in Sacramento, um, though he's, you know, not playing for a not very good team, but, um, you know, he probably will get a buyout. Um, then maybe you add something of that sort. I mean, you do have a luxury tax issue, which I understand, like, Ryan Smith has been remarkable in his willingness to pay the luxury tax. But as I've always said, that should not be necessarily a badge of honor. It's kind of really bad financial business. If, you, if you're if you willing to throw it to the wind because you think you have a chance to win it, then, then that's great. But you shouldn't just go into luxury tax to, like, flex your muscles and, and show that you're incredible Hulk. You should do it with, you know, it's, it's expensive right now. So you have to make a, the right move, not just a move for the sake of a move. It's got to be worth it. David Locke joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, the uh, the all-star teams came out, and there was a lot of talk about Conley in that. But if you look at it, they, they picked the top scores in the league. Like Trey Young in Atlanta is like the one guy in the top 20 who's not in the all-star game. So if you're going to be selfless and move the ball and get other guys involved, your odds go way down. And Ben Simmons and, and Chris Paul and, and Rudy Gobert are the three exceptions so the Jazz already have one of the exceptions, and you got to be in first place. Two of the three guys are in first place to get the exception. So, 
I mean, I get why Conley takes it personally. I mean, it's his career and it's his name. And yet at the same time, it's like there's a formula. And if you don't play that way, well, you know how it's going to play out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of understand it from all standpoints. One is, you know, it's only 12 players. In the case of the West, now 13. Is Mike Conley like the 14th best player in the West? Maybe. Like, what a bummer. Um, and that's kind of where he's been his whole career. He, before Mike joined our team, I always said I thought he. Everyone talked about him as the most underrated player, and I always said I thought he was the most appropriately rated player. Like he's right on the edge of being an all star. Like I, he's a great, great player, does awesome stuff and makes you win. He's right on the edge of being an all star. Like I thought, always thought he was appropriately um, talked about because, and I meant that very complimentary. Like that's it. That's an amazing level to be at. Not very few players are all stars. In fact, if you kind of look at the West guards since Mike Conley's been on this run, like you look and it's kind of the same guys over and over and over again. And I think there's an incredible note that was in the ringer that the first team guards are like 16 straight first team guards are Western conference um, for eight straight years. Both the guards have been Western conference guards. So it's, he's been in a loaded field. I get it. Like I really do feel for him. You have this great a career and that one little nod would really change the way the leg your legacy is thought about, you know, we can have some deep, existential conversation about whether outside, you know, influences, but it is true. Like you go to his basketball reference page, it would say all-star like that matters. And it would be great validation for everything he's done. So I really feel for him. I thought his comment of like, Oh, what did we need to do? Go 31 and oh, was really, that kind of swung me a little bit. Like they're, they're one of the five great seasons of all time right now. Right. That we talked about earlier, they probably deserve the third all-star. And, yeah, somebody else probably should have gotten screwed instead of Mike Conley, considering how great the Jazz are. But I'm not sure people have fully grasped how great this team is so far this year. All right, last thing before we let you go, we got uh, the voice of the fan here. BYU just tweets at us what at DLock09 is forgetting is that Joe absolutely owns Paul George in the playoffs. Can you count on that Oklahoma series, is Oklahoma City series? Is that going to is that gonna matter if they meet up in a few months? Nope. Because? It was five years ago. This is a totally different. Paul George might own himself, unfortunately, for Paul George in the playoffs. I don't think it has anything to do with Joe Ingles. I mean, Joe was great that series, but Paul George is an elite-level player who in massive moments has not been able to perform at his highest level. It's a very hard thing to keep your mind-body connection together in the, in, the mo- in the highest pressure moments, and that's something that he's not shown a great ability to do. David, we will leave it there. We, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. There's David Locke. Probably not three Red Bulls into the day, PK, but probably one or two, don't you think? He's pretty fired up. I think that his DNA somehow <laughs> produces Red Bull-like qualities. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's probably true. He doesn't, he doesn't need the Red Bull. His DNA just cranks yeah. it out. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Got a couple questions of the day. You can hit us up on Facebook and on, uh, and on Twitter uh, about the Jazz and the road trip. 3-1, and 4-0, what do you think there? Also, the latest on the uh, investigation from the NBA into the allegations against Dennis Lindsay. You can hit us up on Facebook there, DJ and PK. It's, we'll get to those both next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.